Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bible ready, today we'll be in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 23. We'll also begin a new study of topical teachings on the essentials for a follower of Christ. We'll look at prayer today, seeking, listening, and speaking to God. Here is the second half of a two-part study. We think that there's no way for us to get out of the situation that we're in. There's no way for this, this problem to be fixed. Where's your strength come from? From the Lord. You need to understand that there are there are spiritual warfare that is happening around us in the spiritual realm, and it does impact the physical realm at times. And 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 the the, the mocking and calling them feeble Jews. Or, you know, talking to them as being feeble. The work that you're doing is feeble. This is the only time that word is used in the Bible. The only time. And and it it means, in the Hebrew, it actually means lack of strength. What we would think it would mean, right? Feeble. See, I want to be weak. Because He's strong. In my weakness is where He shines. In my weakness is where He does the most work. In your brokenness is where God can move. That's important to understand. Sometimes when things are so crazy and we're trying to figure out what's going on, seek God in prayer and understand that in that brokenness, that's where God can do some of the greatest work because you're humble in that moment. There's humility in that moment. We are weak. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7-10, through 10, it says, But we have the treasures in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We get in that verse that you will be afflicted, you will be crushed, you will be persecuted, and you will be struck down. But guess who has you? God. God's got you. But, but again, if, if, you're, if, you're, if your relationship with God is not right, you're not going to understand that. You're going to keep trying to fix things in your own strength. As Christians, one of the things that we need to understand is that the devil will come after us consistently all the time. But let me tell you something. If you're serving in church, Oh, you can bet believe He's going to come after you even harder because you're doing the work of the Lord. You need not to fall into the temptations that He's putting in front of you. He tells you as a follower of Christ, one of the things that I love is I I, I remember uh, one of the pastors saying this. He said that 
You know, as, as, a, as a follower of Christ, we need to have a heart of a dove, but the skin of a rhinoceros while serving the Lord. You need to have the heart of a dove, but the skin of a rhinoceros, meaning that you are going to be attacked constantly. And if you're being attacked, how much more does your pastor need prayer? Hello? It, it's, the reality of it is that the, the devil doesn't want this to happen at all. And so he disrupts marriages, he disrupts families, he disrupts ministries, he disrupts church. He puts us in a little room instead of this room. And what are we going to do? Are we going to start complaining, getting upset? What are we doing? Like, I'm here to teach. Whether I'm outside teaching in that, that little field out there, I'm going to teach. I have prepared a word to teach, and I'm teaching it. And whether there's nobody here or not, I'm still teaching it to an audience of one because that's what I've been called to do. The culture today wants to run. They want to say that I've been triggered. We need to understand that when we serve the Lord, we serve the Lord knowing that we are going to be attacked. It's going to happen. You have Sam Ballot, but you also have Tobiah. Tobiah decides, hey, I'm going to get my little two cents in too. He says, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, yes, what are they building if a fox goes up on it he will break down the stone wall. You know, the funny part is, is that what Tobiah is trying to say is he's just trying to get them to say something back. And that's, that's what you have sand ballad. It's like a one-two punch. You're feeble, right? Oh, this wall would be knocked down by a fox. They're both just jabbing at you, trying to get you to say something. And, and the question is, are we going to fall into the temptation of it? Because if we look at what, what was found when they dug the, uh, the biblical archaeology, when they found the excavation of the wall, it's nine foot thick. It, it, a fox could knock that down if he wanted to. But see, that's what the devil uses. He wants you to say something. He wants you to get upset. It's ammunition. But I love what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah goes straight to God and prays. In verse 4, he says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in the land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt. Let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, after you put on all of the armor of God, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all the perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Nehemiah's weapon is prayer. Nehemiah seeks God and prays. And for us, it's something that we, we need to do as well. Prayer enables the follower of Christ to wear the, the armor and the, the shield of, of the, the armor of God. And this prayer is a lot like David's prayer in Psalm 58, 6. It says, O God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. I love it, man. Sometimes when your enemy's coming against you, you need to just let, God, let the barrels go. God, you're a great and awesome God. I, in my heart, I want to sin. In my heart, they hurt me and I want to retaliate. But I thank you that I'm breathing today. I thank you that I didn't say anything to them. Right? Lord, I need you to come and break the teeth. I need you to come because they keep coming at me. They won't stop. 
Why do you, why you break the teeth of the lion? There ain't nothing to bite you with. They can claw you, but they can't bite you and kill you. And so that's what David's praying for. He's like, they're, they're very intentional in their prayer. And we need to be the same way. Nehemiah is, and, and David was, and, and when the enemy's persecuting you, you need to go to God in prayer. And you need to ask the Lord, what is it that I need to learn in this situation? Why does this keep happening? Matthew 5, verse 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus, love your enemies. We'll get into that when we talk about love God and love people. Because that's one of the hardest things to do. Is to pray for somebody that's hurt you. Love them. You love them. Because why? It reflects the character of our Father in heaven. Lord knows I don't need, I mean, I don't deserve to be loved. I know me. But God loves me. And we need to reflect that same character of our Father in heaven. And that's what prayer does. You may be upset, but what, what prayer does is it softens your heart. I always tell you, it takes the air out of the room. Take a step back. Let the air get out of the room before you respond. Pray. Lord knows, I've had it done for me. I, I, I've told you all this story before. I got upset with somebody in the church. I was a young believer. I thought I was done. The guy, we were, and over, this is where, you know, the flesh comes out. We were putting things in the, because we in the chairs, we have the fancy chairs at the other church, and you could put the tied things and all that. And we had fixed all of them. And he came in, that was supposed to be his job. He came in, he got upset, and he pulls them all out. And he goes, why did y'all put them like this? Because we were getting it organized. Well, I don't want you touching this. And he just started coming at me. And I'm military, so when you start pressing in on me, my first reaction is, I'm going to knock you out. Now, that's the wrong reaction to have in church before service. Brother of mine grabbed me, said, Mike, come on. And that guy followed us outside. And that brother, thank God for him, he said, you need to go back in the church. Because he could see I was, I'm, I'm a combat vet, man. If you press up on me, we're going. I may have one good fight left in me. And the reality of it was is he stopped and he prayed. And I was so angry when he did that. Because I wanted to be heard. I wanted my point of view to be heard. And you know what happened next? We're praying. Worship starts. The band starts playing. I have to go do words. I'm doing what Flora did. I have to go sit and do words. And let me tell you something. I was stewing during worship. It was just... And then I had to sit through the Word. But God knows if that brother wouldn't have prayed for me, I don't know what would have happened. And then I got brought before Pastor Joe with my other brother. And, and I didn't say anything because I knew I had messed up. I don't need to say anything. I know I messed up. I know that I, I could have handled it better. Because let me tell you something. The worship... The word started washing me, and it was like, man. And my brother Louis grabbed me, and he gently told me, Mike, you're not in the army no more. You're in the army of God. You need to put away that army thing. Nobody's sizing you up. Nobody's, you need to ask God to help you with that. I had to start praying for that. And we got before Joe, and, and my brother before, I didn't say anything. My brother said, you came at me with no love. And I knew right then I had hurt my brother. Didn't matter who was right or wrong. Doesn't matter who is right or wrong. You hurt somebody. And if you're a follower of Christ, when you hurt somebody, 
You need to own it. And I looked at my brother. I said, man, I'm sorry, bro. I, I'd never want, I would never want to feel that way. And let me tell you, over the next few days in reflection, and still to this day, it hurts me because I know that I was wrong. And me, and me and my brother talked the next day. And, and we were just, he was like, man, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize y'all were just trying to help us. And, and I, I, I stepped on your toes big time. And I was like, bro, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I should have just walked away from it and, and, and made it into a bigger thing than it needed to be. Well, let me tell you something. After you sin, there's a reflection period that happens. And within that reflection period, that's when God does some amazing work. If you allow it. You can go ahead and continue to try to keep being heard and keep trying to, you know, have your point of view. But it's like, what is God trying to do with you? Because if we're to reflect the character of our Father in heaven, I have to love my enemies. I have to love my brothers. I have to love my neighbor. I'm supposed to love my wife as, uh, love my wife as Christ loved the church. You're not getting away with loving. That's a, that's a fundamental of our faith. And Nehemiah, he doesn't engage. He prays. This is a great lesson for us. Sometimes when you see craziness going on around you, and let me tell you, you live in San Antonio long enough, you'll see it. Happens all the time. Stop and pray for that person. You're at gyms and somebody's losing it because they didn't get their hash browns because it happens. And they start slamming plates down. Start praying for them. Because you know the worst thing is is there's two little babies sitting there watching them. You pray. And that's something that we need to start doing. That's why Jesus even said... And this is important for us. In, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, I don't think you have this one before because I added this. Maybe you don't have this one. You may, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who brought, bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. It's, it's the reality of, of prayer is, is the most important thing for the church. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. And, and what happens is we focus, even in the church today, we focus on materialism and commercialism and entertaining people. And we forget that, look, at the end of the day, we're, we're supposed to be men and women of prayer. Something that we, we definitely need in our lives. In verse 6 of Nehemiah chapter 4, it says, So we built the wall, and all of the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. I love this, because what Nehemiah does is, what does he do? He prays, and he gets back to work. He gets back to doing the work of the Lord. And it's something for us, too. It's like the enemy comes and ridicules and mocks, and he prays, and he goes, Okay, let's go right back to work. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, full accord, and of one mind. The same mind, same love, and full accord of one mind. We are to work together as a body in unity, not against each other. God has called us as a church to be the hands and feet. We're the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet that go out to serve the community. That's, that's what we've been called to do. Verse 7 says, But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs 
And the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that they were repairing on the uh, repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward, and that the breaches were beginning to be closed. They were angry, and they they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. It's funny because the enemy always finds company. They go and they they grab the the Ashdodites and the Arabs and the Ammonites, and they find like-minded people that want to see the work of God stopped. And that's what they do. And so now the enemy is plotting against Nehemiah and the, the work that's being done. And we need to understand that the enemy, just because he ridicules and mocks you, that's not where it stops. Now he's going to come to physically attack you. He keeps coming. Nehemiah, again, and we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. We pray. We pray, we seek God, and, and we listen for God, and we, we, we're going we're gonna to do what God's calling us to do, which is to continue the work of the Lord. We know that He's going to protect me, that there is danger that's around, but we, we have to understand that, that it's God that protects us. And what I love about Nehemiah, there's two things that happen in this verse. He prays, and then there's faith and action. They're actually doing something. He prays, and then they actually go, well, let's, let's, let's put protection. And so sometimes when we pray for something, there has to be feet of action behind it. There has to be. It's, it's something that, that we need. We need more prayer warriors in the church. And there's no unemployment in the, in, in the church, but one of the biggest needs in the church is prayer. One of the biggest needs probably for your life is prayer. You can do more for this church through prayer than you could by work. Matthew chapter 26, verses 40 and 41, And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you might enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. We just went over this not too long ago, and Peter was supposed to be praying. And what was Peter doing? Asleep. Asleep. And that's where a lot of us are right now. We're asleep. We need to wake up because you're going to fall into temptation. It's like it, when, when I read these verses, I'm like, you know, I need, to, I, need to be, I need to be alert because the enemy's coming. That's why we have the armor of God. It's not in my strength. It's in His. But I better not be asleep at the wheel. Verse 10 of Nehemiah said, In Judah it was paid the strength of those who were bared the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble by our, ourselves. We will not be able to rebuild the wall. So when the enemy comes to ridicule and mock you and then physically say he's going to come to attack you, what happens to the people? They get discouraged. They get discouraged. You know what? We can get discouraged too. At the end of the day, like when you have to understand, when we, even when I, when I was talking about that incident with my brother, the next day I prayed and I asked God to forgive me. And, and we've had lunch, we've done things together, and at the end of the day, we're really good friends now because of it. But we got to move on. You need to get, get back on the horse, get back. Like, it's a heart check. Meaning, I think I was in the flesh when I was serving. I was cleaning the church, doing the radio, I was, and my flesh came out. I need to let some stuff go. How was my time in the Word? I started neglecting it because I had more stuff to do. You know, it's, it's those things that, that God is trying to show you. When the enemy comes to an attack, 
to attack you. It's not to discourage you. And, and you know what happens when people get discouraged? They bring other people with them to be discouraged as well. We all, get, we all start feeling down. Oh man, we're never going to get out of this. That's how America is right now. America's like that right now because they think well, there's no way we can turn this thing around. What's wrong with y'all? We have God. We have God. It doesn't matter what happens in the White House. We have God. doesn't matter what happens in Congress or the Senate. We have God. Same with this community. We just had a, a middle school teacher die of a heart attack this past week. Community's hurting right now. Middle school kids are hurting. That, that he was a coach. And they got his funeral this week on Friday. But who's going to get us through it? God. It's God that gets us through it. When you get discouraged, when you are struggling in your faith, you've got God. And, and if you've fallen into some sin or something's going on, repent. And, and you have God. Get back up. Get moving. Get back to doing the things you did when you first fell in love with God. Right? We forget that. We know that fear froze Saul in 1 Samuel 17, 11, when Saul and, his, and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Nobody wanted to face Goliath because they were all afraid. It took one little dude, 16 years old, David. It's like, hey, man, we got God. No, I don't need none of that armor. That's how we're supposed to approach our problems. But we're making our problems bigger than who our God is. And if you're doing that, meaning that you can't see past this because that problem's so big, then I'm not sure which God you're, you're worshiping because that's not the God of the Bible. That's why, you know, having, having, having an understanding that, you, that we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We trust that God's going to take care of it. We seek God. We pray to God. You know what? You, you start asking more people, hey, I need you to pray. I need you to start praying. I need you to start knocking. I need you to start seeking. One of the things I love is like when we, you know, I, I know she didn't love it, but Donna was in the hospital. There was a lot of prayer happening. She was the one having to live through it, but there was a lot of prayer happening. There was prayer happening with the pastors of this community praying for her. There was prayer happening with the pastors in San Antonio praying for her. We were praying as a church for her. Everybody's like, Lord, bring her home. Let her come home. And God hears. And our enemies, in verse 11, said they will not know or see it till we come, uh, come among them and kill them and stop the work. At the time, the Jews who lived near, the, near them uh, came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So what they're doing is they're, there's gossip going around now. A lot of gossip. They're coming to kill you. And they're hearing this ten times over and over and over and over. And you realize that, that most fears that you have, it never comes to pass. Most things that you worry about never happen. I love in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8, it says, And the officer shall speak further to the people and say, Is there a man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. He's telling them, Hey, look, if you're here with the wrong heart, you got to go home. You got to go home. Because what's going to happen is you're going to start infecting everybody else. And they're not going to want to fight. The men are going to be like, oh, no, we can't, we can't win. It's going to be discouragement. 
And we have to understand that there are real battles in this world that we will face. But that's not what Christians want today. Christians want to be on that, that, that cruise ship that has smooth water. Smooth water. Where your hair doesn't get messed up. Right? No humidity. Everything just stays in place. We want to, we want to be the, 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 the armchair warrior, the theologian from the armchair. We don't actually want to be the one that goes out and shares the gospel. We don't ever want to hear words like, it's terminal. Or you have cancer. That's not the Christians that are being raised in the churches today. They have the cruise ship mentality. They want, it, they want the commercialized church. They want the entertaining church. They want the church that it's, what are you going to do for me? Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed today's broadcast. If you'd like to give to this ministry, uh, what I would always suggest is give to this radio station it's because of this radio station that we have great expository teachers uh, for you and i would say um, make that donation to them i hope that you have a wonderful wonderful day god bless you remember you can find us at calvarydivine.org calvarydivine.org god bless you